Y'all know what that time is. We're just wondering what took you so long to get here. But either way, we're glad for you to be here. I'm just super excited, I guess you could say. Maybe if you liven up, it'd be funny. I'm not trying to be funny. I can tell that already. (laughs) Doesn't shock me at all. (laughs) Well, guys, welcome to another episode of the Crucial Conversation podcast. Today on the episode, we've got a huge guest. Oh, yeah. This was a fun one to record, Brian. They're always fun. But this one was especially fun. He's saying this one's exceptional. Yes, it is. But before we get there. Oh, here it is. We're brought to you by Life After the Mistakes, New Beginnings, Sheila Texter. Tell me about it, Brian. No, man. She wrote a book about her life story. It's a, it's a, who is she, first of all? Who, who are they even talking about? She's a pastor's wife from Blyville, Arkansas. That, and her name is Sheila Texter. Yeah, but here's the thing. She's a pastor's wife. She's a Christian. She's Obviously, everything's got to be perfect in her life. Yeah, she can, had never struggled. They never have to go through anything. False! That's a lie. Because we all go through stuff. And she lays it out there. She lets you know her life story. This book, again, as Tony, I think he said, is entitled Life After the Mistake, which means there was a mistake somewhere involved in this story. And But to find out what happened and how she overcame By the book. it. You're going to buy the book. Buy the book. Buy the and book. you can find it at Amazon.com. While you're on there buying your dog food, toilet paper, TVs, all that stuff, go ahead and add to the cart Life After the Mistakes, New Beginnings by Sheila Texter. Absolutely. And another new sponsor that we've got... Guys, yeah, I'm ahead. super excited. Let's talk about it. Row and Ray Boutique. This is a brand new sponsorship that's come to us. A great opportunity for all you ladies out there. Oh, that crucial conversation. They just don't care about us ladies. They don't ever do anything for us. Uh, what, 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 what? I don't want to hear nothing because this sponsorship is just for you. Brian, you are correct. And being married to an apostolic for both of us, we know the challenge it is for our our wives to find that perfect outfit or that perfect piece to go with that outfit. Just for you guys, Rowan Ray Boutique is here to save the day. They're committed to offering you trendy, modest, and high-quality pieces to complement your style and leave you feeling beautiful and confident. And they're going to take care of you. Use code CC20 for free shipping on your purchase. Their website is going to be linked in our bio. It's rowrayboutique.com. That's R-O-W. R-E-A boutique.com. Go check them out today, ladies. This is just for you. And gentlemen, if you're listening, go ahead and go on there and get them a gift card. We know you don't know how to pick that stuff out. Christmas is coming up at some Christmas point. Christmas is coming up. At some point. Yeah. It is. You can even get an early Christmas present. Maybe your birthday's coming up or an anniversary's coming up. Yeah, go to rowrayboutique.com and shop on there for your wife, your girlfriend, for that special somebody. Hey, even your mom. Yeah. Go ahead and go to rowrayboutique.com. I've had a hard time talking today, Brian. It's like a Joe Biden press conference in here. <laughs> anyway, so. <laughs> oh, my word. Yeah, except for I know where I'm at. Anyway, hey, guys. Well, listen, you know, it's like, come on, think about it. Is it hot in here or is it just because I keep messing up? No, nah, it's, it's probably. I don't know if Ned Anderson's worked on this. If if it's if Ned Anderson's worked on this unit, then it's it just, wouldn't be hot. In it's here. just it's just because you've been thinking about it like that. Mm. Well, maybe we should call Anderson Heat and Air today just to make sure. Are you going to call him right now? I'm not going to call him right now because he's probably he, busy. We know he's working. 
Yeah, he's always working for the people. 870-926-8700. Anderson Heat in the air. Guys, he will take care of you. I'm getting sick and tired of you all not listening to me and saying, oh, it's hot in here. I wonder who we should call. I've already told you once. I'm going to tell you again. Anderson Heat in the air of NEA. 870-926-8700. If you're in Arkansas, just give him a call, man. We're doing Missouri, Arkansas, Tennessee. I don't know. <laughs> just give him a call. And maybe it, the worst he can say is that it's too, out of his area or something like that. But if he's able to get to you, you're going to make some money. Yes, make some money. Yeah, you're. Well, I mean, when you compare it on based on what you would have been spending, it might as well be like you're paying yourself. I mean, seriously, <laughs> maybe like giving yourself a tip. Uh, it's kind of like whenever Trump said like uh, we're going to make China pay for the wall, and people are like, well, he's not really making them pay for the wall. He's just changing the trade policy and the money that we're going to be giving to him. Now we're going to keep in it. Don't and, you mean Mexico was going to pay for it? Did I say China? You did say China. Man, it's straight up is like a Joe Biden press <laughs> conference in here. I don't know. Oh. Anyway. No oh, man. com. Tell me about the Drifted Drum, Brian. The Drifted Drum Company.com. It's where you can get a book by Dr. April Jones entitled No Mess, No Message. It's another book that's going to encourage you. And like we talked about before, we, we man, you can start a library just about with this podcast. And um, Dr. April Jones, she wrote a book about um, her life story as well. And it's going to encourage you that through all the mess of life, there is a message that can come of it. You ha- you can have a testimony at the end of all the things that you're going through. If you're willing to tell it. Tell it. Just tell it somebody. Just tell it. She's going to encourage you to. Use a promo code CRUCIAL2020. Get 20% off your entire purchase. What a special, special deal. Yeah, she's a great person. Use that special deal for someone special in your life. Again, holidays are coming up. Yep. Hey, Brian Dale. We're really close to that Jesus rally, aren't we? Yeah, we are. And here's the thing. Mm-hmm. We've gotten hate mail. Oh, yeah. We've gotten people that's emailed us saying, hey, we love what you're doing. Keep doing it. We've had people message us. We've had people call us. We've had people email us. We've we've had it all. But we're tired of hearing it. We want to start seeing it. Whether you like us or not, come out and visit us on October the 3rd, 2020, beginning at 4 p.m. at 1086 Emerson Road in Gates, Tennessee. It's the Jesus Rally. You're saying, what's that? I don't I'm, I don't know nothing about that. Come join us at this beautiful outdoor retreat for an evening of praise and worship with live music and preaching. And, you know, what are you yawning for over there? I'm tired, man. I'm sorry. We have been doing this all day. Anyway, all day. come check this out. It's free to the public. This is an outdoor event, so you're not going to be crammed up next to that person you don't like or you think they might have the, the Wuhan virus. virus, something like that. Yeah. Just come to it. It's an outdoor event. Bring your own chairs and blankets. Hey, they got concessions. Don't be bringing your Yeti cooler in. They're going to provide all that. Is it inappropriate that I called it the Chinese virus? I mean, that's where it came from, isn't it? Yeah. Have you seen, like, Trump's response whenever people call him out on that stuff about, like, why are you saying – like, there was one point where it was actually a a, a reporter. I wish that, y'all could see my face right now. There was actually a reporter that asked him at one point – that was like, why did you ask me or say something to me about calling it the Chinese virus? And she pulled her mask down, and she was like Asian. And Trump straight face looked at her and pointed, at her and he goes, "Because it came from China." <laughs> uh, October third, twenty twenty, beginning at four p.m. Come join us at this event. 
come say hi to Brian and I. We'll be there. Um, hopefully, our friend DJ Shoulders will be there. He's a, a guest that we've had on the podcast before. I'm sure we'll see him on that trip. Uh, oh, yeah. We're going to have some great interviews that weekend. But anyway, come out. It is at 1086 Emerson Road in Gates, Tennessee on October the 3rd, starting at 4. we got to get out of here because Brian's mind's just wandering like crazy tonight. I don't know what's up with that. But come join us to that, and guys, enjoy this other crucial conversation. Hey, guys, this is Brian. And I'm Tony. And you're listening to the Crucial Conversation Podcast. We received an email from a listener that went back and listened to one of our episodes that, hard to believe, it was recorded at the beginning of this year, uh, back in January. Before it got crazy. Before everything got crazy when we were able to fly to Wisconsin. And uh, a listener had uh, listened to our episode with Peter Sandin uh, where we, he talked about recovery from uh, porn addiction, from, uh, from masturbation, um, sexual addiction, several different things and, and how it related to to um, being as a man in the church, how to recover and help others escape that lifestyle. And one of the materials that Peter Sandin mentioned was a book entitled Escaping Fantasyland. Yeah. And, and so whenever we received that email, it got me thinking about it that I'm connected to on Facebook, the author of that book now. At the time, I didn't realize that, that I, I knew who he was because uh, we're on a preacher forum together, and, uh, and 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 it's a it's a wonderful forum, by the way. In case anybody is listening from <laughs> from from WordShare, there's a lot of productive conversations. Uh, we we get a lot of things accomplished on that forum and uh, address the big issues. Like, uh, well, I guess I won't go into the big issues we discuss on there, but, but, but it is always important. Uh, but so I want to thank. Pastor Steve Showalter for coming on to, uh, to speak with us tonight, talking about your book. But before we get there, give us a background on, on who you are, where you come from, and um, uh, tell us a little bit about your church. Well, I am born and raised in Pentecost. My dad was a minister and has been my entire life. So this is what I have known. Um, I live in state of nebraska greatest state in the country um, <laughs> next to every other one <laughs> yes exactly but um so i i've been in church my whole life um i have been a pastor since 2016 um i prior to that i assisted my dad uh for a number of years um we uh Sorry, my brain just went blank. <laughs> um, so anyway, i growing up in a home of pastor, being around church. This has been my life. I, I don't know what it's like not to be in church. I don't know what it's like not to be involved in church things. Uh, I don't know what it's like to go to parties and get drunk and all of that. This This is what I know, going to church on Sundays, going to church on Wednesdays, going to camp meetings, going to conferences, going to rallies, being around church people. This is everything I've ever known, going to Bible college. So churches. Where did you go to Bible college at? Where'd you go to Bible? Where'd you go to Bible college at? 
Texas Bible College. Okay. What year? I was there uh, two years from 89 to 91. Oh, man. That's uh, before Brian was born, and that's when I was born. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's been a while back. So, so who, who were some people that you went to college with that, that people would probably know? Well, um, probably the most uh, famous right now would be Brett Coltharp. He's the president of Urshan. Uh He was just a year ahead of me. Um, Try to think of somebody else. Chris yeah. Richardson is a missionary. Uh, uh, Dr. Coltharp is actually was my youth director growing up. Uh, okay. Yeah, out of the state of Illinois, great guy. Yep. Um, who who would you say would be some people that kind of shaped your life, uh, that kind of uh, formed who you become as a minister? Uh, probably two of the most uh, most uh, prominent would be two of the Bible college instructors that I had, Kelsey Griffin and J.R. Enzi. Uh, Kelsey Griffin is, uh, he's, he was uh, one of the instructors that just put the love of the Word of God into a person. I, you, you can go anywhere, and if they were a student of Kelsey Griffin, you know, they, and you mentioned his name, they'll light up. He is, he was just, just a phenomenal teacher. And then Brother Enzi, uh, he was the president of TBC when I was there. Uh, he's just very principled, very down to, you know, just got a solid grip on doctrine on truth on holiness and living by the principles of the word of god and just really instilled that into me so you mentioned earlier that you don't you don't really know what it's like to uh be outside of uh the church that this has been your whole life um talk to our listeners a little bit about your book escaping fantasy land um what gave you uh, direction to write that and uh, um, why it's it's something that's a necessity. It's it's obviously something that is a necessity because um, like Brian was saying, Peter Sandin is uh, by the numbers one of our biggest episodes we've ever recorded because we, Brian, we hit it head on. I mean, we had to put an explicit title at the beginning or label at the beginning of it and um, we've had multiple people uh, contact us regarding that episode, and uh, it's it's something that is needed to be said, but nobody has the nerve to say it. And Peter Sandin gives you and your book a lot of credit for that. Um, so, where did that direction come from? And explain to our listeners what that book's about. Yeah, because being around you know church people, this isn't an issue that should affect us, right? Absolutely. Uh, the book. Um is about my journey uh, going from being a porn addict to my deliverance from pornography and pretty much the, the struggle that I faced during all of that and what it took to overcome it. And uh, it really, really was uh, just you know, my testimony more or less. Uh, where the, this, the idea that came from to actually write it uh, kind of started when right after I felt you know, I, I knew God had delivered me from this. Um, I was at my computer and I, I just I had this incredible urge to to research statistics and internet uh, you know, news sources, testimonies of others, anything that that would help me 
with uh, knowing what the reality of pornography is. You know, that, that what you see is just what they want you to see. There's 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 a lot of garbage that goes on behind the scenes. How does that affect people? How does it affect those in the industry? And so I, I had this incredible urge and desire to, to do all of this research and I couldn't understand why. I, I don't I, I I was baffled, you know, why why am I compelled to do this? So I was sitting at my computer one night and my wife came up behind me and she asked me what are you doing? And I told her just what I told you. You know, I, I got this urge. I, just, I, I feel compelled to do this research. And I don't have any idea why. She asked a rhetorical question that answered that my question. She said, do you suppose this is the ministry that God gave you? And with that question, it's like everything that I had wondered and, and had questioned through all of this, it just, it was answered. So and I knew that God had given me the, the not that this isn't why I was delivered, but he was going to use my testimony to help others. So I started, uh, this was back in the early 2000s. I, I created a website and you know, it, was, it wasn't the best, but I was just trying to do something. And uh, I sent out an email to the ministers in our district, just trying to get you know, hey, I, you know, I've been delivered from this. This is an issue. If you need help, let me know, and I'll, I'll do what I can. And it, throughout that time, in the back of my mind, I thought, you know, the website will probably get some traffic, but it's not going to really be what I need it to be to get this message out. I wasn't looking for attention and any of that. I, I wanted just to be able to tell people there's hope. And so in the back of my mind, I thought, you know, I should probably write a book, but I'm not an author. I'm not a writer. I don't know what to do. And so it, it so every so often that idea would pop into my head, write a book. And I kind of push it off again and again and again. You know, I don't know what to do. You know, I don't know how to write a book. I don't even know where to start. I, I, I am one, I can have great ideas. I go to put it on paper and it's like, nobody's going to want to read that. That's lousy. So just struggling with trying to know how to handle that. I'd pray, God, I need direction. I need to know what to do. So the general conference of, uh, 2013, just prior to that, um, I was praying, God, I need direction. I need to know. I'm going to conference. I need an answer. What do I do? Do I write a book? Where do I go with this? I went to general conference and I bumped into one of our pastors that is also an author. And uh, this is the first time I'd, had, I'd met him in person. I'd met him on the aforementioned ministers forum. <laughs> um, and so I uh, when I, he introduced himself, he asked me a question. Have you ever thought about writing a book? And I said, okay, God, I get it. You do want me to do this. And so I went back to my room that day prior to the evening service. And I said, God, if I'm going to do this, I need to know where to start. And it was like, God told me start at the beginning. So I did, I don't think I had my computer with me at the time. So I had a pen and paper and pretty much the entire first chapter I wrote it and right there the first chapter is virtually unchanged from 
when I wrote it in that room that, that day. Now, it took four years from that, that moment until it was actually in print, but uh, it was just a real, real urgency to try to help others, and that's, that's really the purpose of the book. So being, again, uh, raised in church, raised around ministry, going to Bible college, how did you, how did you become addicted to pornography? How were you introduced to it? When I was eight years old, uh, I was visiting my grandma and a friend of mine around the corner. He came over and he had found his dad's Playboy stash. He said, hey, check this out. And for the first time, there I am. I'm looking at pictures of naked women. And uh, throughout the next few years, I would see it occasionally. Um, when I got into my teen years, I, when I was 14, I saw my first pornographic video. And each time you, I'd see it, you know, it was just a, a real adrenaline rush, real excitement, even prior to being sexually mature. Uh, just that real excitement. And, and it, I knew it was wrong but yet it was so enticing that I wanted to see it. It was like it, it established a craving within me. And where the addiction came from is when I turned 18 and realized I would be able to go purchase it for myself and nobody could tell me I couldn't. And so I would start to get it whenever I could. Um, now, I didn't get it all the time, but I, I get it when I could. Uh, I knew it was wrong. I knew I had a problem. I knew I needed help. When I went to Bible college, I one of the prayers I prayed, God, I know you want me to go to Bible college. Take this addiction away from me. Take this problem away from me. I want it gone. And I expected to walk, to, to when I left Bible college, that I would no longer desire pornography. Well, unfortunately, I found out that that isn't how it works with God. You don't bargain with him on things like that. Uh so when I came home after my two years of Bible college, I sought out pornography again. And after a few years, I got married. And then we, with the introduction of the internet and first computer, I discovered online pornography and went downhill from there. I got to the point where I was looking at it every single day. I just, it was pretty much all I thought about i go to church, felt bound, begged God for deliverance, and yet I knew as soon as I get, went home what I would be doing. I, I hated it, but that's, you know, that's just the way it was I, I, every day. If somebody had caught you, how embarrassed would you have been? Oh, extremely. Um, I, I did so, not, not actually get caught, but... I came close a few times and I was able to weasel my way out of it, not because I didn't want help. You know, I, if they had offered help, I'd have, you know, I, I think I would have taken it. But it's like, you know, I, you, you, you feel cornered. You, I dare in the headlights. What do I do? And I'm stuck. I, you know, I don't, you know, how do I handle this? Do I tell them? And a lot of fear involved, a lot of fear. Did your wife have any inclination at all um, knowing your second life? She may have, but I don't think so. Uh, she she might have known there was some, some issues there, but certainly not to the extent that it was. I don't, I, 
I, I think it blew her mind when she found out. What was the tipping point? Uh, you mean when when did that? Uh, yeah, when when was enough enough? How how? What was that? It, what was that like? When I uh, got married, I, it was another one of those bargaining moments, you know, or aha, aha moments. Hey, I'm going to be married. I have a godly sexual relationship. I won't need pornography. And when I got married, I found out, you know, I still, still craved porn. And that, you know, that's when I got to the point where I was looking at it every day. My daughter, when she was born, I think that's kind of when I realized, you know what, I have got to stop this. I don't know how, but I've got to stop. Uh, you know, begging God constantly, Lord, you know, I need, I need delivered from this. I need help. I need direction. I need something. And I, I don't know how many times I told God, if you don't deliver me from this, I'm going to quit. Even though I could never bring myself to quit and you know, walk out on God, I knew better than that. We had a minister come visit our, our church. And I, I, I don't remember the year right off the top of my head. It's in my book. I, it's just spacing it right at the moment. But he came to visit our, our church and he wanted to meet with my wife and I. And so he started talking about an issue that he knew was an issue in a lot of pastors' homes. And he mentioned pornography and I knew, uh oh, here we go. And he were you a pastor at this time? I'm sorry, were you were you a pastor at this time? No. Okay. Uh, he looked at me and he said, start talking. And I knew if I didn't say that I, you know, that I had a problem, he's going to expose me. And if I do say it, you know, I, all of these, all of these things in my mind are happening in a matter of a second. You know, my wife's going to leave me. My daughter's gone. My home, my, everything I've ever done, it, it's all over. My life is ruined. All of this fear. But I, I didn't know what else to do, so I started talking. I, you know, I, and I broke down right there. I, I, I have this problem with pornography. I, I want delivered from it. It's not that I don't want delivered. I absolutely do. I just don't know what to do. I don't know where to get started. And that was the tipping point, just being able to finally say, I struggle with pornography to somebody. How did your and wife handle that, the news? It was like hitting, getting hit with a bus. You know, it, it floored her. For me, I felt relief. The drive, you know, we we drove home after meeting him, and I felt relieved. Yet I was still fearful, and she was just caught in a whirlwind. Because it, honestly, it, it was it was it was over for you, but it was just beginning for her. Right. And I I know that situation feeling, bro, because. My, whenever my wife and I, we have an argument over something, I feel like I've said my piece. And then women are completely different than men, if y'all haven't found out by now. Because (laughs) I feel like, okay, it's off my chest. I'm done. It's over with. I've talked about it. No, 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 no. Your wife has questions upon questions upon questions. And they might not be asked tonight. They may be asked six months from now. They might be yep. asked eight months from now. And you're like, well, I thought we got over this. I'm still dealing with what's on my chest. So it was just now starting with your wife. 
And right. how how long was it uh, in y'all's marriage before uh, she could regain some trust and um, faithfulness with you, between you guys and your marriage? Because I'm sure it put a like a, a stake right in between y'all. It was even after I was delivered that I think she finally realized that things were different. Uh, even after being delivered, there were signs, like you mentioned, all of a sudden something had come out. It's like, where'd that come from? <laughs> you know, here we are, we're going through this again. And, but it, it, it took some time for her. Um, I know it really, really messed with her. She, she told me, she said, you know, I know I was supposed to marry you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to stay with you. We're going to fight through this. But yet I knew this is not going to be an easy thing. Right. This is going to be a struggle. Uh, I want Thank God she did stick with me. I want to ask you a question that um, is going to be kind of hard for you to answer, I'm assuming. So if you want to cut it, feel free to say, hey, stop. Don't ask me a question like that. But whenever you would go to church and you would either preach or you would um, be doing something uh did you feel like it was genuine or did you kind of feel like a fraud? I felt like a fraud. Uh, you know, I, and that I, I ran from the call of God because of this. I, when I got out of high school, I did not plan to go to Bible college. I, I, it's like, why would I do that? I've got this issue in my life. How can I tell somebody what it's like to be free from sin, how to get free from sin when I don't even know myself, what am I supposed to tell them? And so, you know, even though I knew I had a call of God on me, I didn't acknowledge it because, you know, certainly God can't use me. I, I, I'm bound. Why would he, why would he do this? Um, so I, I, I would, I, I still felt the anointing when I would preach or, or, you know, I felt God using me, but it was still that, that conflict in my mind. Why, why am I in this position being a preacher at this point and yet here I am struggling with pornography I don't get this that was my second question or follow up to that question was um, do you feel like God still used his anointing through you or was it just something like you had to make sure you studied extra hard because you felt like God really wasn't giving you direction because you were you were fighting and living in sin um, because bro I've been in times where I, I knew what I was doing was wrong. I knew I was sinning. Uh, I've said on a previous episode, uh, I had an emotional affair on my wife. Um, the whole time I was um, being involved, being used in our church, being, um, you know, on the platform. But I felt like, uh, like, like you just answered a fraud. And I felt like everything I did, whether it be praying or speaking in tongues or something like that, it felt fake to me because uh, I I was in this struggle, um, but unlike you, you felt the anointing of God still being used on you. Me, I was just going through the motions. What could, what words of advice could you give to our listeners that's struggling secretly, um, but they're still being involved in church? What 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 would you suggest they do? Uh, obviously, they need to find somebody they can talk to. Yeah, do but, they? Do but they, before do they, they quit get, ministry? But or? before they get to that point, do they? Do they just say, "Okay, I'm going to stop what I'm doing"? 
or what, what would you say to those people? I think it would be depend. Each situation would be different. Um, I, I think it would be most, the, the best thing I could say is for that person to go to their elder, to their mentor, to somebody and say, you know, here's the situation. It give me advice as to what to do in my situation. Some, some pastors, you know, if you're a small church and you're the only one, you can't just walk out. You you would leave such a, a, a vacancy. Others, if you're in a larger church, it would probably be best to sit back and, and get your own personal struggle taken care of first. Obviously, if you're, you know, if you're in that small church and you're the only pastor or the only minister, um, you know, you certainly need to, to deal with your own, your own issues. But so I really, I, it'd be hard to say, you know, there's a, a set answer for every situation. Um, I, I don't know if that's the answer you're looking for, but that, that would be, that's what comes to mind. So from the time that you're, you have that conversation and you, you say, this is my struggle, what did your, your journey out of this lifestyle look like? What were, what were the steps you got, you as a family had to take? Uh, how did you put the barriers in your life to, to prevent you from going back to that? Or, or, or how did, what, what, what does recovery look like? What did it look like to you? Well, that was the starting point uh, when I told my wife, and that didn't mean that everything was done. You know, I, it was a severe struggle. Uh, it took a number of years for me to, to get to the point of deliverance, but it was a journey where I had to learn what it was like to actually be spiritually disciplined and walk with God for myself. And that, that is something that everybody has to, at a point that everybody has to come to, you know, just growing up in church, you know, in my mind, I thought it, I have the answers, you know, I've been in church. I know how to pray. I know how to go to the altar. I know how to, all of this. I, I know the word of God. I kind of a, you know, I've got all the answers and yet the realization that, yeah, I, I may know what the Bible says, but I'm not applying it. How do I make this work in my life? And so I, at this point, this is the early, late nineties, early two thousands. There wasn't really a whole lot of information out there on porn addictions. You know, what do you do? You know, the internet was virtually new and, so what do I do? I came across the book, Every Man's Battle. And if you have not read that book and you're a man, you need to read it. There's a lot of good information in there. And that book is really where I got focus. I realized, number one, I am not the only man that struggles with this. In fact, it is extremely common for men to struggle with pornography. All my life, I, you know, with this issue in my life, I, I've got to be the only one. Certainly there's not that, you know, if there are others, we're the extreme minority. There's just maybe two or three out of a hundred. Yeah. This is just, but yep, I found out that this is a, this is an issue that many men struggle with to a degree. Not all of them are porn addicts. Not all of them seek out pornography even monthly, but, but, they're all tempted by it. It's all 
because of the, the way we're wired, the way we're we are sexually turned on. You know, it's by that that visual thing you know, in front of us. So I read that book and said, "Okay, now I've got some direction." And through, even though it it didn't go as far as I knew it needed to go, you know, it, it it's not somebody the, the authors are not Pentecostal; they're not baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, living that life. So I knew there was more to what needed to be done than just what they said, but it was at least a, the, a good foundation. How long From was your uh, on, How long was your road to recovery? Uh, it was, uh, from the time my wife found out, it was probably five, six years. Mm. Uh, it was, it was a real struggle. When you, uh, it may not have been, may not have been quite that long, but it, it was something that range. When, when you, you just mentioned some statistics on, on how many men, uh, battle with this and you mentioned earlier how you did research for this book. What are the disturbing uh, statistics that you found out? I'm, even if you don't have the numbers in front of you, but what are some, some things about, uh, you, you know, you, you mentioned something actually about, about people that, that are in pornography. We had a, a, a guest a while back that she, they were in Playboy and, and whenever she told her personal testimony, it's, it's shocking um, how, how much sexual abuse she had as a child um, mm-hmm. whenever you study, cause to me, that's one of the most disturbing things about pornography is how many people in the industry have been abused or sold into sex trafficking or, or mm-hmm. sex slavery or, or, or I, 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 you know, just everything like that. What are some things you found out that are very disturbing about that lifestyle on the other end of this, on the other side of the screen? Well, it's, it's, as you say, it is disturbing, um, in fact, I included an entire chapter just on some of those things. Um, when you think of pornography in the in the that industry, uh, you know it's all supposed to be consensual. You know, the the woman and the man they sign a piece of paper saying, you know, this is what I agree to. I consent to this, but that consent quickly goes down the tubes when they get in on set and and I, I'm not saying that this is every single scene or every single you know uh, time they are filmed but a lot of them will find out that they're pushed to do things that they did not consent to do and there's always a threat you know if you if you want to get paid you know you're going to do this the their agents are part of the industry working for the industry and they you know they get paid by bringing these women into these these studios and these companies to be filmed and if they want a paycheck then these girls have to do whatever they're being asked to do so it it, these girls are stuck it's like being thrown a cat being thrown to dogs you know the dogs are going to rip her up and that's sadly that happens so frequently, um, you know. That there's one actress, for example. Uh, she said she was in a rough scene. Um, she was slapped violently, choked, and when it was all over with, you know, she's got red eyes, and she says she was being interviewed, and she said, "I look torn up. Can you tell? I took a beating today, and it was great." You know, good and well. 
she didn't enjoy what happened to her. The emotional effect on her, the psychological effect on her, you know good and well she did not enjoy what was being done. Uh, they're, they're just, it's just awful. Um, a scene, there's a man that he, he was doing something extremely painful to the actress and he asked her, are you crying? And, you know, she answered, no, I'm enjoying it. And he used a swear word and he said, I thought you were crying. It was turning me on thinking of you crying. She said, would you like me to? He, he told her, yes, give me a tear. Oh, now you're crying. It, it just, you know, the emotional abuse, these women get into this and they, they can't escape it. They don't know how to get out. Some of them, many of them are, are trafficked into it, you know, through prostitution or even worse, you know, you get kids now and you know, we're, we're seeing so many child porn statistics coming out. It just, it is sad. Mm. And they, and these people get into it and they don't know how to get out. It, Some it, of them get into it by choice, but then they get stuck. You know, it's that like when you talk about the the the, the different things that the, the abuse that they're facing, I, I can't help. But one of the most popular songs in the country right now is a song that glorifies um, that pretty much everything you've been talking about. The uh, and, and it's just it's crazy to me how the, our culture sees things like that as female empowerment. Being being slapped, choked, abused—that's supposed to be something that em- empowers women in some way. Uh, and, and I don't understand that. I, I don't understand. I think we our our culture is 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 really falling apart. Whenever that's that's the idea of what female sexuality should be. Absolutely, it's warped. You know, I think of my daughter. You know, you, you have an innocent child, and you know. As your as a dad, the last thing I would pop could possibly want my daughter to get involved in is something like that. And yet, it's so common to talk about. It. Just like you said, that's uh, you know the songs that that are out. It's this is so has become so normalized in our society. I want to ask you the million dollar question, if you don't mind. Whenever all of this came out into the light did you relapse i did yes what did you do um, to rectify a relapse did you tell your wife it, did you tell your um your pastor what, what did you do well my wife uh she unfortunately for me she was my accountability partner um she was the one that i would go to and you know talk to and if you are in this situation, don't use your wife. Uh, for me, I, I didn't know who else to go to. You know, I, it was such a fear thing for me. Um, so it ended up being her, and it, unfairly so. So I, you know, I would talk to her, but it was basically doing the same thing that I took to get out of it. And, and that was that was something I had to learn as well. You know, you, you learn what to do, learn how to be delivered, learn how to get a handle on all of this. And then if I fall after that, because the temptation is still going to be there, just because you're free doesn't mean you're never going to be tempted again. 
what do I do if I if I am tempted and I and I fail and I, I fall flat on my face? What do I do? I got to do the same thing that it took to get free the first time. Get up, get over it, get your mind focused on what it needs to be focused on. Repent and forgive yourself and move forward. How many times did you tell yourself this is the last time? Oh, all the time. And what made it the last time? Well, for me, the the actual last time, um, I, I, I had been doing well. I was going through my journey of, of learning how to, how to get over this. And a, a lot of it was me learning how I, I operate, you know, learning my triggers, learning how to use the word of God when you face a battle, learning how to avert your eyes. If you see something you shouldn't see, how to, how to learn self-discipline, self-control and, follow the leading of the Holy Ghost in situations. So I'm learning all of those. And so I'm learning my triggers and that self-discovery. I had for me, and this may not be for everybody, but for me, it was something that I, I didn't connect it to pornography at all. And truthfully, it isn't connected. But I had a bag of CDs, uh, music CDs, for those of you that are newer people you know the millennials or whoever uh, cds are a little plastic disc that music came on <laughs> now you get it all digitally yes but i had a i had a bag of cds and some of them you know there were songs on there i liked they were they weren't acid rock they weren't horrible but they were some one of them i think i had it for one song that we had in our wedding these CDs were something that I got and kind of nudged me and said, you need to get rid of those. Okay, I'll, I'll do that. So I had them in a bag under my desk and at some point I was going to get rid of them. I forget about them, space it. And I'd be struggling. God, what do I do? And I kind of get that voice in my head again. You know, you need to get rid of those CDs. Uh, this happened off and on for probably a year, year and a half. My, I was going through all of this and I was really making some major progress. I was doing well. I was patting myself on the back thinking, I'm, you know, I am, I'm getting there. I'm going to get free from this. I'm going to get out of this. My wife went out of town and a familiar urge hit me. Hey, go get porn. So I did. And when I got through all of that, I was so disgusted with myself, so aggravated, aggravated at God because God's not de dealing with me and fixing this for me. I, just frustration. I got down on my knees and I, and I just basically let God have it. God, I want out of this. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I can't seem to get free. I want delivered from this. You're not helping this, that, you know, just, just basically having a big pity party. And once again, get rid of those CDs. Okay, God, if you want me to get rid of these CDs, I don't have any idea what this has to do with porn, but I'll get rid of them. I opened them up and I busted every last one of them. And as I was doing that, I literally felt the fingers of pornography 
lose its grip on my life. How old were you at this time? I was, uh, this would have been 2003, so I was, uh, good grief, I gotta think, 32? Wow. So you struggled from eight years old to 32 to 33 years old. Yep. Mm. So So, I I wanna ask if, I didn't mean to cut you off, go ahead. Oh, that's all right. Oh, I wanted so when, to. When, oh, <laughs> sorry, man. Go ahead. Your turn. Go. When I, when I busted those CDs up, you know, I, I asked God. You know, God, I don't get it. What What is the deal with these CDs? They have nothing to do with the pornography. Nothing. And it was at that moment God let me know. You know, you're wanting rid of sins that you don't like. You need to get rid of all the sin. Mm. No, the CDs that in and of themselves are not sinful. But your lack of obedience is. That's very if you powerful. you want to be free, you need to be free from all sin. Mm. And it was like an enlightening moment. Well, okay, now I get it. We've talked about that multiple times, that we qualify certain sins as bigger than other sins. And uh, you just pretty much just put that to rest right there, that we can't pick and choose what sins is okay. Right. I wanted to ask you... Um, it's kind of relevant to what you're talking about right now, but I'd like to dig a little deeper if you don't mind. Uh, sure. I want to ask if, um, you know, you were, you, you engaged in pornography at such an early age. Did that open up doors to other avenues of sin, uh, such as, uh, or not necessarily for you, but for other people, can it open up other doors as, uh, premarital sex and stuff like that. And, you know, just almost like a gateway drug. Absolutely. Um, you know, I had my moments where I very easily could have thrown caution to the wind and just, okay, you know, I'm, I'm going to just go all in, you know, this sex thing. I'm just, you know, might as well enjoy it. But, you know, thankfully I, I had enough sensibility and I, and for those that do struggle with this, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not casting dispersions on anybody that does give in to that. I had enough sense about me to know I can't involve somebody else because if I do, there's no going back for me. I, I, I don't know how I would ever recover from that. I knew the pornography was wrong, but for me at that moment in my mind, it's like, okay, this doesn't involve anybody else. I had an opportunity. You know, I, I mentioned it in my book. There's, there was a girl in high school. I was in ROTC in high school. And for our senior year, we there was a, a, a ball that they always held. And the seniors were required to go. It was a big deal. And because we were required to go the way it was, the formalities of it, I had to have a date. In my mind, I'm thinking, okay, who am I going to choose? You know, and I'm going down the list of all girl, all these girls I knew, <laughs> in, in church girls, and you know, I can't, I don't want to take her for this reason. I don't want to take her. She'll she'll think I like her. You know, all of that kind of stuff. Well, there was a girl in our our class that she wasn't in our OTC, she, but she was close to it, and she was wanting to go. So somebody mentioned that to me. Oh, okay, I'll take her. I asked her, sure, and she was one of those that. She was very flirtatious, very out there, you know, with, with sexuality and, and that kind of stuff. And 
I knew it was a danger. And yet at the same time, I was, I was hesitant, you know, what am I going to do here? And I, in my mind, I'm this is raging back and forth. You know, I, I have my opportunity right here. I know if I, if I wanted her, I could have her, but yet that's not me. That's not the way I'm going to operate. I can't do that and back and forth. And I made my mind up. I'm not going to do this. I am, I'll, I'll go with her, but I am not going to cross the line because if I do, I'm opening a door. I don't know what's on the other side and the porn is bad enough. I don't want to make that worse. So thankfully, like I said, I had enough sense not to, not to make it worse, but it, it very easily could have gone that way. The, the pornography, it, it creates an appetite within you that, you know, it, you know, why not engage in it myself? So we've we've been listening to kind of your story, and we accidentally cut you off uh, when you were talking about how how what your journey looked like out of it. But but I just want to sit back and listen for a little while as you as you help people that are out there that are struggling with this, uh, men and women both. And, and tell us, like, the things in your book, what, when they get to your book, what are the, some of the things you're going to see? What's the process out supposed to look like? What's the advice that you have? I just want to sit back and listen to you, to you minister to a person that's struggling with this and, and spend, you know, take your time and just explain or, or give them advice. Show them that there's, there's a way out of this that lifestyle. there's hope. Give them hope. Absolutely. First of all, if you are struggling with this, you're not alone. You're not abnormal. You're not a weirdo. You're not a loser. Those are all those things that the devil's going to tell you. You're, you're, you, God can't help you. Nobody cares about you. If you tell anybody about this, you're going to lose absolutely everything. The devil's going to fill you full of fear. The pornography wasn't what had me bound. It was the fear that had me bound ultimately. The pornography was the chains, but it was that fear that kept it locked up. If I tell anybody my life is ruined, it's over. Don't listen to those lies. You're better than that. God loves you. He died for you. He wants you to be free. The best thing you can do is go talk to somebody that you trust. Your pastor, if you're a young man, go talk to your youth pastor. Find somebody that you can talk to confidentially. If you're a young lady, and sadly, there's a lot of young ladies that are struggling in porn. A lot of women, you know, it, it may not be the graphic pornography that men see, but they still struggle with pornography themselves. Go talk to your pastor's wife. Find somebody to talk to. You'll find by just getting it out in the open that is the hardest thing you gotta you gotta admit to yourself first of all you've got an issue you know they they say of alcoholics if an alcoholic doesn't admit they're an alcoholic they're never going to get free from alcoholism because they don't recognize the issue they don't see that being a problem the same applies with pornography if you don't recognize it as a problem and admit it you're going to be bound by it so you've got to admit it to yourself talk to somebody else at that point, realize that this is a war that's worth fighting. You, you, you have, may have struggled with this. You may have 
gone back and forth with God on this, dealt with it for a long time. But this is something that is worth fighting. You can get victory over it. It's not going to happen overnight. It may take some time. Understand that. If you fall, forgive yourself. Don't beat yourself up. Get up. Get out of the mud. Ask God to forgive you. Let him cleanse you again and get moving forward. One of the biggest things that people will, will do is they get negative. They'll, they'll, you know, I failed. I, I just, I don't know if I could do this. I, and they give up on themselves. They may not give up on God, but they give up on themselves. Don't give up on yourself. God loves you. You can get, you, you can love yourself. That's one thing that I, I had to learn. I had to learn to forgive myself and to love myself. Yeah, I'm a child of God. God died for me. So it's a battle that's worth fighting. One of the keys that you really have got to come up with is you've got to identify your triggers. What is it that is going to trip you up? We all think of triggers automatically as, you know, a, a cute neighbor or a cute coworker, that flirtatious girl that you're around. She's, she's what triggers me. I see that and makes me want porn. There's, that is a trigger. Those are triggers, but there's more to it than just that. A lot of times triggers are things that we don't think about. Frustration. You know, we ultimately pornography, the way it works in our system, it's like a drug addiction. We're looking for that release of all of those chemicals in our system to relax us, to calm us, to soothe us. That's what we're desiring. That's what we're, we're hoping to gain. We want that ah, feeling. So are you frustrated and you're needing release? Are you lonely? Are you tired and just, these are triggers that you've got to identify. What is it that makes you want porn? A lot of times it's just a habit. When I would come home from work, the first thing I would do is go get on the computer. It was in an office upstairs. My wife would be downstairs. I'd go up there and get on the computer and look at porn. It was a habit. That's, that's just what I did. When I came home, I, that's what I'm going to do. I had to break that habit. But it was, you know, it was still that I'm coming home. I need that release from the day of work. I, I need to relax. It, it, that trigger was still there. You need an accountability partner. You absolutely must have somebody you can talk to. Preferably your pastor, like I said earlier, or a youth pastor, somebody that's going to be there for you when you need to talk to them about this. They're not going to beat you up. Right. Somebody that's going to, you know, they're going to pat you on the back, give you encouragement, give you strength, give you scriptures when you need them. Maybe come to you and ask you how you're doing. Just be in that encouragement. If they do need to give you a, a swift kick in the rear, you know, they, they can if they need to. Accept it and move on. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. They're, they're doing it in love. They're not doing it because right. you're, you've upset them. Right. And that, that's, that's always been something uh, for me as a young man growing up. I had, I think, the greatest pastor in the world. And it's not because he, he coddled me, but it was because he would come to me and say, Dude, what are you doing? You know better than <clears throat> that. Come on, man. You're yep. a better person than that. And it's, 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 I still find myself, even though he's 20 years removed from being my pastor, 
I still um, talk to him because I want to make him happy. I want him to know that the time that he's invested in me was was worth it. And if you're out there and you're you're dealing with this and struggling with this, uh, just like Pastor just said, I, I urge you to go and find not just an accountability partner for something you're struggling with, but for somebody that can speak into your life on a on a daily or weekly basis, um, right? Not, don't just go to talk to people when there's something wrong. Call, pick up the phone, just call them and say, "Hey, man, how you doing? You're on my heart." And when you do stuff like that, I mean, I really feel like um, that's when trust and accountability starts to be built. And just go right. go find somebody. And like you said, bro, there's there's uh, there's just something that you cannot go to your wife and pull her through this. Find right. find somebody that's a not gonna say, um, you know, I don't struggle with stuff like that, or you know, pass on all those people that's gonna be fake with you. Find you somebody right. who's gonna be real. Um, but this has been just an absolute incredible episode. Very encouraging. Um, I mean, where can people find your book at? It is available at Pentecostal Publishing House. Um, so uh, just go on there and you can search it either by the, the name Escaping Fantasy Land or by my name, Steve Showalter, and it'll it'll pull it up. Perfect. So, so you were talking about accountability. Uh, what, what other advice would you give? Keep a personal journal. Yeah, I, I kept notes. Uh, you know, I, I, I'd be at work, you know, back when my route wasn't super long and I had moments to kill. I would, I would have a notepad with me or if I was at home and you know, I, I'd be talking to God and he'd drop something in my mind and I'd, I'd write it down. I'd keep those notes and then I'd compile them. And a lot of my book comes from those notes, just those little things that he'd drop into my mind, scriptures that he'd drop in, thoughts that he would drop in. And I'd compile that and it was just those learning moments. How do I live for God for myself? Self-discovery, you know, how does, how does my relationship with God work? How, how am I doing it? If I mess up, what did I do to mess up? You know, if I met, if I failed, there's a reason why I failed. I'm not going to beat myself up because I failed. I need to discover why I fail, why I fall or I fell and figure out how not to do that again. So it was a lot of learning, uh, change your daily routine. You know, like I mentioned, I'd come home from work and go straight to the computer. I had to change my routine. You know, I came home from work and rather than go straight to the computer, I, I'd hang around where my wife was, or I'd play with my daughter. You know, I, I, I had to break out of that routine. Be smart with your computer and your devices. You know, now a lot of times we, you know, when I was doing this, it was on a computer. It was in one spot. Um, now you've got a smartphone that you carry and porn is everywhere because you've got your phone with you. You got to be smart with it. There is accountability software that you can get and apps that you can get. Have those installed and use them. Uh, a lot of them will, 
not I don't know how every last one of them works, but a lot of them will have software that that it'll block websites that you shouldn't be seeing, and it can send an email to your accountability partner and say, "Hey, you know, there's an issue here. You, you need that there, but understand a, a filter in and of itself is not foolproof. You know, filters. You know, we think, oh, well, I got a filter, I'm I'm covered." Well, they're not foolproof because if you want to see pornography, you're going to figure out a way to see pornography. But it's an added tool to help. One of the keys that we absolute that I that I I will tell people memorize the word of God. Now, you know, we're thinking, okay, well, I you know, I, I do that. You know, I I can quote Genesis chapter one. No, that's not what I'm talking about. You know, we're not talking about just quoting. For the sake of quoting, find scriptures that deal specifically with your struggle and quote those when you're tempted. When you look at what Jesus did when he was tempted by Satan, he didn't just quote random scripture. He quoted scripture that dealt specifically with the temptation that was thrown at him. We need to do the same thing. If you're facing that you know, facing a, a, a desire to look at pornography, for example, one verse, Job 31, one, I've made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a girl. I'm not going to do that. Uh, Proverbs six has a number of verses talking about not being tempted by the promiscuous woman. You know, get those verses in your heart. I, I actually kept them on a card I, I printed it off and i kept it in my wallet and i a few other places i believe so that if i got into a moment where i was tempted it's like what's that scripture you know you my mind would go blank and i'm trying to grasp for the scripture trying to fight this with the word of god because the word of god is our offensive weapon what do i do and so i pull out my cheat sheet i tell you what that saved me a lot of times use the word of god Get active in church. Get around church people. You know, the first thing that we do, and this is human nature, you get stuck in sin and you don't want to be around anybody. You want to stay away because, you know, I don't want everybody to know that I struggle. I, you know, I, if I get around them, this is going to come out. I, I, or we feel bad and I'm not worthy to be around them. I'm not worthy to go to church. Regardless of why you're staying away from church, get active in church. Don't neglect your prayer, your fasting, and church attendance. You've got to do the right things. What I've found is if you don't do the right things, you're opening yourself up to do the wrong things. It's it's simple. But we've got to do the right things. Go to church. Pray. Fast. And those are things that, you know, I was doing prior to coming out of pornography, but I wasn't specifically applying it to my life i I was doing it i I was going to the motions of it but i wasn't really activating that power in me one of the things that i learned and and this is just kind of an epiphany moment for me we we often will say and you'll hear people say god make me what i need to be there's nothing wrong with that prayer but oftentimes we're saying god make me do this make me be free well god's not going to make you be free he's not going to make you do anything 
He's not going to make you live for him. He's not going to force you to do something against your will. It's got to be something you desire to do. You do willingly. When we say make me, it means, Lord, I want to be molded and shaped in your image. But there's things in my life that have to be removed first. There's things in my life that have to come out. We've got to let God work on us and remove the things that are not healthy remove things from us that we don't need it may be that we need you know if pornography isn't the only issue it may be like me on my cds it may be other material that you're reading that you shouldn't be reading it may be the music you're listening to it may be places you're going friends you're hanging out with that are all adding to the issue of being bound we've got to be free in all areas and that's what God really wants. He wants us to be completely and totally delivered. And when you experience that, there's nothing like it in the world. The moment I broke up that last CD, I knew I was free. I, I felt it. I felt delivered. I was in my basement at my house, and I just, it was just an overwhelming sense of, um, I, I, it was extraordinary being free for the first time and I knew it it wasn't there was no doubt in my mind that I was free I had I had God had got me where I needed to be and it wasn't that you know the way I the, the journey wasn't how I wanted it to happen I wanted him to just take me out of it we we think of the storm that the disciples found themselves in they're on the on the sea of Galilee in the boat a raging storm comes up. Jesus is asleep in the boat. Master, don't you care that we perish? You know, Jesus, don't you care that I'm struggling with pornography? Deliver me from this. Yeah, he could have stepped to the bow of the boat and say, peace be still, and boom, it's all over with. But what would I have learned from that? Yeah, I gained my freedom, but did I learn anything from it? Did I learn self-discipline? Did I learn spiritual discipline? Did I learn how to live the life that I was supposed to live. No, I, I wouldn't have learned anything. If you notice, they went through another storm. They had to learn that Jesus can take you out of a storm, but most importantly, that he can take you through a storm. So they're on the boat again. This time Jesus isn't with them and he comes walking on the water. And we see that Peter had learned something from the last time because he saw Jesus and when they realized it was him, if it's, if it's you, have me come walking to you. And Jesus said, come on, Peter. So Peter stepped out of the boat and started walking on the water toward Jesus. As long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, he was fine. But he took his eyes off of him and onto the problems, and he started sinking. Apply that to your spiritual walk, your, your spiritual struggles. As long as you're following after Jesus and you're keeping your eyes on him, you're going to do all right. You may be in the middle of the storm, but you're going to be fine. You get your eyes off the, on, the, on the storm and on your temptation and on your problems, that's when you're going to sink. That's when you're going to have a problem because you've taken your eyes off of Jesus. you got to keep your eyes on him. You're going to go through that storm at some point. Yes, he can deliver you from it, but you're going to go through the storm. So you might as well learn to keep your eyes on Jesus. You can be free from this. Um, so earlier we asked you about pastoring and, and 
I want to go back to that question because we didn't get a chance to, to for you to talk about how how you became a pastor, where you pastor at. And the reason why I want to bring it up is because I want to know how, as a pastor who's gone through this, how you've been able to minister to people in your church that are dealing with this this circumstance or this, okay, this I, situation uh, in life. I, I'm in the, my dad pastored this church for a number of years. Uh, he did not start it, but he was the second pastor of the church. Uh, we moved here when I was a kid, uh, I believe in 78. Um, and this is where I knew that God was going to have me be. Um, and at some point, you know, after I accepted the call into the ministry, I knew that I would be a pastor and I was going to be here. Um, so I worked with my dad for a number of years, assisting him. And then I became the, the co-pastor and then in, was co-pastor for a number of years. And then he, resigned or stepped down, retired, so to speak, in 2016. He's still active in ministry, but he doesn't have the weight of pastoring on him. So in 2016, I became the pastor. But during that time, um, just one example, you you mentioned or or asked how I've been able to help. There was a man that came to our church. Um, He had been in and out of church his whole life. He came to ours years earlier and then he'd left went somewhere else left it just messed up had a lot of issues in his life a lot of struggles a lot of problems uh, he had been abused verbally by his parent his mother when he was a small kid um, just really really had a rough life well he came to church um, again and it had been a long time since we had seen him and uh, I talked to him after service, and uh, I could sense that he was something was different this time. He was really, truly wanting to live for God. Before, it, you know, it just I didn't know if he wanted to be in church or not. If you just, yeah, I I think he wanted something, but he wasn't really desperate to, to get what he wanted or what he needed from God. This time was different. So I would talk to him in pretty much every service. I'd talk to him and encourage him. One service I was talking to him after after church and, and I mentioned struggling with pornography and his eyes opened up. He looked at me and said, thank you. And it's like for the first time, I knew that somebody had hit the area in his life that he, you know, that was a, a key for him. And from that moment on, it really made a difference for him. Uh, he he got established in church. He, he had, it, I, I happened to hear you met on one of your episodes talking about, you know, those that tell people they got the Holy Ghost when that person hadn't acknowledged that they had received them. That happened to him. He said, somebody told me I had the Holy Ghost when I was a kid. You got the Holy Ghost? He said, I don't know that I got it. So he struggled with that, and and I would encourage him, you know what, you're going to get the Holy Ghost. God wants you to be saved. Don't you worry. You'll get the Holy Ghost. He ended up getting the Holy Ghost, and it was just, it was an incredible moment for him. But it was, that key point is when I mentioned to him that I had struggled with pornography, and it it, it was like the key, It, it that was the fulcrum for him. I've talked to men's groups 
about this and it, it, it always amazes me and and to the point where i actually look for this when i step up and start talking to a men's group about pornography it's always very tense it's always uh, you know you, the, you can just see the tension on the men they're they're uncomfortable this isn't what they you know they may be what they want to what they need to hear what they want to hear but yet they're they're extremely uncomfortable through the course of that time of ministering to them you can see it going from that to all of a sudden their eyes being opened them feeling hope them feeling that god really does love them god cares about them they're not the only person to struggle with this they're not all by themselves this is something that many people deal with they're not abnormal I've had so many people they'll come up to me after service and they just they'll talk they just knowing full well they would have never told anybody that they struggle with pornography but they'll come up to me and say you know what I dealt with this in my life I've struggled with this and I may be the first person that they've ever told but you can just see that it, it is an incredible thing to watch and an incredible thing to be a part of so um so when, when in your church do, are there still people men in your church that are in intimidated to bring this up to you even though this is one of the things that you're fairly known for I would hope not um yeah certainly I I you know everybody is going to face that moment of fear but I don't you know, I'm not condemning. I'm not going to condemn them. I'm not going to beat them up. And I've told them that before. I've I've discussed this at times in our church, even with the ladies. You know, I've, I've in mixed groups because women deal with it too. Now I'm not as as open with when women are around, but I, I'll talk to them as well. So they they know that I'm not gonna I'm not gonna condemn them. I'm not gonna berate them. So I would hope that they would know it's okay to talk to me. I and I have had some that have talked to me. Uh, it's I'm sure there are some that that still feel a tense of a, a tinge of fear if if this is the the issue that they struggle with. But uh, people are, they they know that they can come talk to me, and the ladies they know they can go talk to my wife, and uh, it's it's it, we're we're available to them. So when you admit you have a problem with this, your world isn't over. No, it's not. Absolutely not. In fact, that that fear, that's the devil lying to you, telling you all the things that are going to happen. And if the devil's talking to you, he's lying. God, God wants you to be free. He wants you to be delivered. He wants you to be full of the Holy Ghost. He wants you to be a strong, healthy, productive Christian man or woman of God. The devil wants you to be bound by fear and he's going to tell you all the things that are going to happen to you. No, those things aren't going to happen to you. Now, does that mean that the battle is going to be easy? No, it's not. It's not going to be easy. But the, what the devil's lying to you about isn't going to happen. Mm -hmm. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Brian, I got one last question. Go for it. Pastor Joe Walter, I got to ask you something on a lighter note. What was the hardest CD to break? 
Oh boy, I don't. <laughs> I don't even remember what they were. <laughs> uh, was it like a haul and oats, or what do you think it was? Oh, I, I be honest with you, it was probably I. I, <clears throat> I had a. Oh boy, I, it was probably. It's going to sound cheesy. It was probably the Top Gun soundtrack. <laughs> okay all right brian that's Uh, plenty enough so uh is there anything that that you wanted to talk about whenever we we first contacted you that you wanted to make sure to convey to our listeners that we may have missed or if uh if there was something you were midstream on that we ended up getting sidetracked on a question you want to go back and and kind of give a little more detail to or if you just want to take just a little bit and just just share whatever's on your heart right now to share. And uh, we'll, again, we'll we'll ask how to get your book a, a final time here. Uh, I after think that. the main thing, the, the best thing that I can end on is if if you're struggling with this or any sin, there's hope for you. There is hope. I felt hopeless. I felt like the biggest loser. I felt like the biggest hypocrite. I was bound. Here I am going to church. I've been in church my whole life. And I didn't feel hope. I didn't feel like I could be free. But now I know that there is hope. If God is working in your life and God is leading in your life and talking to you, there is hope. That's him letting you know you can get free. And the principles that are applied here can be applied to any sin that you struggle with, whether it be drugs, alcohol, uh, gambling, uh, prescription pills, whatever. The principles are the same. Seek help. Admit, uh, first of all, admit you got the problem. Seek help. Study the word of God, memorize scripture, dealing with those areas and know that God wants to set you free. Amen. So again, how do you, how do, again, for, uh, for our listeners again, how do they find your book again? What, what was the link to it? And also, is this book a book that you would recommend to, to just men or preferably to men? Or is this a book that even women that struggle with this can gain the principles and it, it encourage and change, help change their life? I, uh, I wrote it um, for anybody to be able to pick up and read it. Um, I tried to keep it not, I tried to make sure that it wasn't in, over anybody's head. Um, you know, teenagers can pick it up and read it. Now I would, under, obviously teenagers, if, you're gonna, if they're gonna read it, you know, they probably ought to make sure that, you know, I, I go into some details that, you know, are a little graphic, not graphic, but yet they, they can be. And I certainly don't want those areas to trigger anybody, but I, you know, if they read it and they understand why I put it in there, they'll, you know, it's, it's pretty obvious. It's relevant. Yeah, exactly. I I was, Um, I was Googling uh, your book while ago, while we were talking, I know that's terrible, but uh, bro, there's so many more places that our readers can find your book. Other than the Pentecostal Publishing House, BarnesandNoble.com has it. Amazon has it. Uh, Pentecostal Publishing House. So do yourself a favor and go get that book, guys. Um, 
I was reading some reviews on it, and it it sounds like it's something that's that's much needed, Brian. Absolutely. Yeah, to get it actually in print, uh, a paper copy, you go through Pentecostal Publishing House. Uh, the others are ebook, um, so you get it for your Kindle or Fire or whatever you whatever your awesome device is. And so, it so, was available. so the book was written, uh, I guess you said you started in 14. It took four years, so it was in, put out in 18? 2017. I, I'm sorry, did I say 14 in 2013? Yeah, it, I, I think you said 14. in 2017. Okay, so it's, so it, it's, it is a fairly recent, uh, fairly new book too. So, uh, I, yeah, we definitely encourage all of our listeners, especially if you struggle with this, uh, to, to get a hold of this, this book. So, um, do you plan on writing any other books in the future, or do you think that this is just uh, was if, kind if of a God lays it on my heart? Sure, but I'm hoping not because <laughs> yeah. this was a difficult thing for me. I, I, although I did, you know, I, I did learn that you know I can't write. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's but, just but it's like, a, but I but I put my editor through it. <laughs> yeah, it's just like one of our guests told us. I think it was DJ Shoulders. He said. Oh God! Please don't let me write that book. That means I had to go through something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. There's some. Yeah. But Pastor Showalter, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day, your busy schedule. Um, I know that you're busy. This is we're recording this on a Saturday night, and I know you got church tomorrow. But thanks so much for staying up late and talking with us. I know this is going to be counted very beneficial to a lot of our listeners. Absolutely, it's been my pleasure. Thank you very much. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk to you again sometime. Yes, sir. All right. Thank you. What a great episode, Brian. You know, this is such a, one of the, again, it's one of those topics that people don't really like talking about. It makes them very uncomfortable, but it's so needed. Yeah. I mean, whenever, uh, even like people that I know that we've talked to about this subject, because um, they wanted to talk about uh, our interview that we have Peter Sandin and now Pastor Show Walter here. It, it's if, if if somebody goes to their pastor and says, "Hey, I deal with this nine times out of ten, it's great. I, I don't know, I don't know how to handle this. I don't know what to do." Guys, there's so many resources out there. Um, you're not alone. You you don't have to do this by yourself. Um, take advantage of these last couple of episodes that we've done on this this subject. Uh, educate yourself and go get these resources. Yeah, well, it's definitely not the circumstance everywhere that someone goes and they they go to a minister and the minister says, "Well, I really don't know what to do." It, it sometimes it's just that it's such a a a big broad subject that a lot of people just don't even know where to start um, because it, it affects everybody in such a unique way. But it, it's it's what's needed is you've got to take that step of admitting that there's an issue. And if you are confronted with something where um, there's condemnation or there's any any sort of thing like that, there are resources that can help you. Uh, but the majority of people out there, you shouldn't be intimidated to go to a minister because ministers are in it for ministry. They're there to help you. They're there to serve you and, and try to encourage you. And so there may be some weird circumstances out there where people don't know or they don't really want to get into this dirty um, embarrassing subject that may happen somewhere, but that's not going to be the rule. That will be an exception, not the rule. The majority of people out there, the vast, I would say 90, not at least 97% of people, when you go reach out for help, even if the person you reach out to doesn't feel qualified to help you, 
they will do what it takes to help you find materials. And, and so we, we, we appreciate you guys listening to this very crucial conversation.